music. Hip hop. Change. Don't modulate the key, then not debate with me. With Ginger Valentine. Hello, friends, and welcome to the very first episode of Key Change, an inexpert guide to music's insights, featuring me, Ginger Valentine. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you, and I hope that it is a pleasure for you too. This time around, for our first episode, we're going to take a look at Kelly Clarkson's 2004 hit, Since You've Been Gone, and how British heavy metal legend Iron Maiden influenced that particular track. What I think since you've been gone represents is a really iconic trope within music i'm going to call the wind machine chorus you know it's that huge dramatic chorus feels like you should be standing in front of a wind turbine you know the really massive lift off into the air blowing your hair back all that that's not something that started with kelly clarkson by any means but certainly since you've been gone is uh, an icon of that particular format and there's a few things a, a few identifying features of the wind machine chorus that we're going to look at they typically have a very low or softly sung verse uh, very flat even sung spoken in some cases so that you have that real pixie style uh, loud soft dynamic as you pick up into the chorus we'll talk a little bit about dynamics in the future because that's something that's really fascinating but in this case there's loud soft dynamics where you've got the soft low verse that boosts into the higher more articulately sung chorus so there's that big lift from that Especially in the verses, the rhythm is very, very steady, often really simple. In the case of Since You've Been Gone, it's a very simply chugged guitar right on the 4-4. Nothing fancy, just pure basic rhythm, completely anonymous, which loosens up as you get into the chorus, adding to that explosive quality. One of the key things, and this is sort of an important factor, and it's why I'm sort of focusing on this particular era of the Wind Machine Chorus, is the way that technology plays into how that song structure works. One of the key defining features of a wind machine chorus, uh, as I'm choosing to define it, is the multi-tracking on the vocals that really gives it that uh, extra inhuman sort of lift, that that impossible kind of power. But since you've been gone, I can't breathe for the first time, I'm so moving on. Since you've been gone is a great example of that because when that gets to the chorus, it feels like it opens a rift in time and that like it's such an emphatic cathartic expression of that you know farewell to the x sort of sense that it feels like it broke open time that kind of impossible level of power comes from that multi-tracking which we'll talk about a bit more later but that's something that technology really enabled so while some of these things might have appeared in earlier pop and rock music the advances in music recording technology really laid the foundation for this in a way that since you've been gone is the apex of and everything that came after very closely models that There's a couple of other small details, things like as you come out of the verse into the chorus, there's often a little momentum break or a a hitch in the song to really drive home that switch. So it's a hard change rather than a sort of soft transition. It's a really quick, emphatic drop into the chorus, which, again, all of these things lead to the bigger sensation of explosion and catharsis and, and power and Since You've Been Gone is the er example and there's a good reason for that it, it is a massively influential hit it's off Kelly Clarkson's second album her post-American Idol release but it really is the song I think we all associate with her far more than any other uh, and most significantly it's a Max Martin tune so Max Martin wrote and I believe continues to write pop hits he wrote hits for people like the Backstreet Boys NSYNC uh, Britney Spears hugely influential pop songwriter of that era and his impact continues to be felt and people continue to rip off since you've been gone and, and ape that model. So uh, that's an indication of how impactful his production and songwriting is. There's also the uh, involvement of Dr. Luke, who had a very notorious court case with Kesha. Uh, so he's a bit of a bastard, but contributed to a uh, very successful song. While we're talking about songwriters and producers and such, let's take a bit of a closer look at Kelly Clarkson's Since You've Been Gone. 
It was one of the lead singles off Kelly Clarkson's 2004 album Breakaway, as I said, written by Max Martin and produced by Dr. Luke. Despite its huge impact and cultural legacy, it didn't achieve the number one status that uh, I think we would assume. Uh, it got stuck at number two behind Candy Shop by 50 Cent uh, on the US Billboard charts, but it did turn up on the list of Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time uh, back in 2010. It was certified platinum in the US and sold over a million copies in the US alone. In my home Australia, it got to the top five, but again, not top status, so some, some genius isn't recognized in its own time. But you can see its impact in all of the songs that would come after. There are so many features here of the Wind Machine Chorus that, since you've been gone, really defines things like that very even chugged guitar that's in the verse. It's very basic, like metronomic guitar. There's no character to this at all, which is important because it is a low thing. Kelly is singing low in her register. It's a very understated part of the song until you get that brief hitch in the rhythm and then the song explodes. It's a phenomenal song. It's an incredible performance from Kelly. Her voice, especially in some of the chorus reprises towards the end where she throws in a big old key change, sound incredible. It is a perfect mix of songwriting and performance, and that is why its legacy, you know, why it has such continuing power. But as I said, that had to come from somewhere, and its roots are deeper than you'd think, and come from some odd places. Runs of the Hills was released by Iron Maiden back in 1982 uh, on their third studio album, The Number of the Beast written by the band's bassist, Steve Harris. It doesn't seem like an obvious thing to connect to Kelly Clarkson, but if you have a listen to some of the features, it actually lays out the template for the Wind Machine chorus quite effectively. You start with the level drums and guitars in the verse, setting that same low energy feel. Like There's a bit of tension building here, and there's a little bit more character to the instrumentation in this verse than there is in Since You've Been Gone, but it is still very much invisible. It's not trying to draw attention. There's nothing fancy about it here. It's really just setting the stakes so that you get that big dynamic shift into the chorus, which happens with the same hitch in rhythm that happens in Since You've Been Gone. They use a few things like a big pick slide down the strings of the guitar to interrupt that rhythm, much like with Since You've Been Gone, to really make that dynamic pop, that really distinct change from verse into chorus, so that lift-off really happens. And the lead singer, Bruce Dickinson, takes up the reins emphatically, where he was previously singing quite low in his register, almost talking through the verses. He really lets loose in the chorus. And most significantly, his voice is multi-tracked, and he's got a lot of the band members performing harmonies around it. At this point, this is quite early in digital music recording technology, and multi-tracking was available, but still not quite as readily manipulated as would be the case once Pro Tools was in the equation. So in this case, Bruce has at least got his voice doubled and then augmented by the band members singing harmonies around and adding some vocal layers to that. But it's the same principle, that big lift that happens with the sort of vaguely inhuman quality to his voice, which is an impressive, powerful voice, which really lifts you through the chorus and gives you that real wind machine sense. Coming a little bit later in the timeline of the Wind Machine Chorus is an Australian song now, which I think is a great example of that multi-tracking in the chorus. Coincidentally, I didn't realize this at the time, but it is another Max Martin joint, and that is significant because the Veronica's Forever sounds exactly like Since You've Been Gone. It is a straight rip of his own song. So, you know, good on Max for getting mileage out of his work there. Minimum effort, maximum payoff. But the Veronicas add an interesting variation to the theme, even if the structure remains almost identical, with the almost identical 4-4 drums and evenly chugged guitar in the verse, switching up to the chorus. What's really distinctive about the Veronicas, though, the whole shtick of their band was that the fact that the Aureliasso twins sing in very close harmony throughout. That is a skill that they've obviously developed, amplified in no small part by the newer technologies that came about between 1982 with Iron Maiden and 2005. Those tight vocal harmonies were a signature of the Veronicas. 
on The Secret Life Of, their debut album from 2005, Jess and Lisa ably demonstrated why that is such a powerful technique. And you can hear it in Forever, which is, for mine, one of their best songs, and actually the song that inspired me to do this podcast. So thank you, Jess and Lisa and Max. Let's have a listen to some of the chorus of Forever. So what you can hear there is much greater emphasis on the multi-tracking. It's much more obvious in the case of the Veronicas. There's still plenty of multi-tracking going on on Since You've Been Gone, but because they're all sung by Kelly, they're not trying to create any illusion of multiple people singing, whereas Jess and Lisa are singing multiple parts and they're playing off one another. So there is a little bit more detail, a little bit more dynamic between those layers. But there's also a lot of processing, a lot of auto-tuning and pitch correction to line those up very carefully. So you've got those really intense glass-cutting harmonies that really make this song fire off when it gets to the chorus. And even more so when it gets to the chorus reprise that happens after the bridge. Again, another structural thing that Forever explicitly lifts from Since You've Been Gone is that same chorus reprise after the bridge where the vocals just go nuts. Where in both songs, the performers stretch their range and really demonstrate the vocal fireworks that they're capable of. But you can hear how, in, especially in that reprise on Forever, how dynamic and dramatic those voices are when they are multi-tracked and so closely harmonized. That really makes an unbelievable impact. And God, it's impossible to sing along to, but I love it. But the prospect of the Wind Machine Chorus and the influence of Since You've Been Gone isn't limited to Australian pop sensations from the early 2000s. A couple of years later, Jay-Z released Empire State of Mind, which featured Alicia Keys performing the vocal hook on that. And that is, surprisingly, another example, a slightly more surprising example, of the Wind Machine Chorus. A lot of the same structural elements apply. There is still that big dynamic shift, which I do acknowledge is very, very common in pop and rock songwriting. It's not a unique thing. But that dynamic between Jay-Z rapping through the verses and the very high, clear and powerful voice of Alicia Keys really taking off into the chorus, it is a very powerful dynamic and it works very well. The one thing that Empire State of Mind offers as a unique view, though, is the fact that Alicia Keys did Empire State of Mind Part 2, which was a solo version, and really highlights how much songwriting production and technology plays into this Wind Machine chorus. And when you strip away some of those elements, as she did on her solo track, you really end up with a very different feel. So on the Alicia Keys version, she's singing and playing piano throughout, and because she is not a rapper, she is singing through the verses and is singing still quite high in her register. so you already have a very different feel. And then as you get to the chorus, there's none of the multi-tracking that is obvious on her voice in the Jay-Z version and gives it that real skyscraper kind of lift-off. The Alicia Keys version is very sedate and quite level, so there is a change into the chorus. There is a chord change, so it is a notable shift in song structure, but it's not the big lift-off. It's not the Wind Machine chorus. That Alicia Keys version was arguably more successful than the Jay-Z original. I mean, the Jay-Z version was no slouch. It it got to number one. It was actually Jay-Z's first number one single on the US Billboard charts as a lead artist, so that's a very significant milestone. But the Alicia Keys version was never formally released as a single in most territories, so far as I can tell. So we don't have those metrics to measure against, but I feel like it's pretty significant that it was rather ahead of its time in 2009 for pushing into the charts, even at a fairly low level, purely off downloads. This was in the UK, and it still topped out, I think, at number 52. But a couple of months later, in early parts of 2010, it peaked at number 4, purely because of those same downloads, all without being officially released. So that's pretty significant effort, and for quite a different song. It didn't have quite the same impact in the US. It sort of got to about the mid-low 50s on the US Billboard chart, but it was still, again, not officially released there. So in, in 2009 and 2010, this is well before CD singles had really been phased out and downloads were being factored in, and certainly before something like a YouTube video play would have factored into charts. So it's a very significant effort edging your way in there purely off the power of downloads at that point. 
But the contrast between the two is really illustrative of how much the Wind Machine chorus and all the production and technology that goes into that uh, makes a difference in how the song comes out. So the Jay-Z version has those really big dynamic shifts. The scale of the song is huge, widescreen and dramatic. Whereas the Alicia Keys version is almost elegiac in comparison. It's much more sedate and reflective. And very much more suited to Alicia Keys' voice, obviously. She does a great job in both cases. But it's really interesting to see how that same song can be executed in very similar but very different ways. Brief editor's note. Concrete jungle, wet dream, tomato. Thank you. The Alicia Keys version also drops that rhythmic hitch that leads into the chorus on all of the other Wind Machine songs. So you get that much smoother transition. It's a very different feel again, where in the original Jay-Z, there is that same break, that same pause in rhythm to delineate those changes, which, again, a massive difference in feel, achieving different goals. That rhythmic hitch is really obvious in Fountains of Wayne's weird breakout hit, Stacey's Mom, which is very different from all of the other songs we've looked at now. The song comes from a distinct power pop tradition that dates right back to early pop and rock like the Beatles and Buddy Holly fed through bands like Teenage Fan Club and a whole bunch of other bands like that who sort of brought a little bit of that pop dynamic back in a cool way in the 90s. Fountains of Wayne, especially the bassist and songwriter Adam Schlesinger, are absolute stylists of that genre. And it's worth noting if you've ever seen the underrated Tom Hanks film, That Thing You Do, that title song for The Wonders was written by Adam Schlesinger, who has just an incredible ear for nailing the era and pop melodies that would have worked in that era and how that would have come off in an early pre-rock phase. He's an incredible songwriter and bloody talented with a hook, as Stacey's mom appropriately demonstrates. Even if it is a kind of a goofy song and a little bit like an American Pie riff, it's an incredibly tight three-and-a-half-minute power-pop gem. Didn't have quite the same chart success as most of the other post-millennial songs that I've looked at, but it got up to number 21 on the US Billboard chart, which is still the band's highest charting result to date. I should also credit vocalist Chris Collingwood, who is a contributing talent to the uh, quality and skill of Fountains of Wayne in general and of Stacey's mom in particular. But they deploy all of the same other features of the Wind Machine chorus. The flat, even verse going into the more dynamic and exciting chorus. The multi-track vocals are still there. All, all of those same production choices are there. But they really very much emphasise more than anyone else, I think, that rhythmic break into the chorus, which has a lot of air around it. it, it it's the same technique as you see on Since You've Been Gone or Forever, uh, and to a lesser extent on Iron Maiden's Run to the Hills, but very expertly deployed here. There's something about the way that Adam and Chris write songs that speaks to an understanding of songcraft at a really deep and intimate level, and they appreciate how difficult it can be to write a pop song, and they have studied their craft and learned well. And they've got a catalogue full of really tight pop songs that speak to classic pop without ever being backwards-looking or retro or boring. They're always adding some new spicy things, so have a quick listen to how they use that rhythmic pause, which shifts them so nicely into that chorus, more so than any other, I think, in this collection. It adds a really arresting change. It adds a real liveliness to it and an excitement to their songwriting. So who would have thought, from Iron Maiden right back in 1982 up to Jay-Z in 2009 and onwards, the Wind Machine chorus is still something that's used. It's a real staple of rock and pop songwriting. There are, I'm sure, hundreds of other examples, and I would love you to tell me about them. There's a playlist up on Spotify and on Apple Music with all of the songs that I've looked at in this episode, which I'd love you to add your suggestions to. You can add them directly on either of those services, or you can jump on Facebook and join the Key Change Facebook group and make your suggestions there. 
There's got to be hundreds of examples from before Iron Maiden and easily into the present day. So if you find other examples of Wind Machine Chorus, tell me about them. And while you're in the Facebook group, jump in and have a look at some of the other comment threads we've got going on. I'll be posting there all the time asking for your song suggestions or even episode suggestions as I'm preparing for the future. Uh, Or even if you just want to have a great place to talk about music with excited music nerds like me and a bunch of my friends, it would be great to have you there. I want to build a great community to just have somewhere to talk about music of any genre that's an open space very pop positive all genres welcome uh, and certainly no gatekeeping there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure love what you love all of that stuff that's about it for this time on the next episode of key change i'm gonna have a look at the way that some songwriters use reverb to make their song sound spiritual or holy because there's millions of different types of reverb and i'm just going to look at one way that songwriters can use that effect Between then and now, if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show so that you can catch all the future episodes, uh, especially if you subscribe in Apple Podcasts because they base a lot of the ranking of these shows on reviews and ratings and subscriptions. This is my first episode and this is a really exciting new project for me. If you feel so inclined, leave me a review. It would mean a great deal to me. And even more so, if you know someone who you think would like Key Change, who would love to be involved in that conversation in the Facebook group, or who just has strong opinions about Beyonce, send them my way. I would really appreciate that. The more the merrier. I want to have lots of conversations. I love talking about this stuff and I want to share that love with all you because I know that you love it too. Keep an eye on your podcatchers. That new episode on Reverb will be out sometime in November. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you again soon.